Book Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. with me and messing up the the uh, like the intro that's two weeks in a row my name is paul Alves. is this the book guys show and we we'll, we'll record live to tape so no redos <laughs> i'm joined of course as always by the one and only uh, sir jimmy how you doing i'm doing fantastic you know and you know, technically when we you know we only got one tape and, and when you right. tape over a tape all these times, <laughs> you start to have, you know, these little artifacts in there. So I don't think it's going to get better. I think it's only going to get worse. And that's part of the beauty of the book guy that's show. That's right. I, I messed that one up because I'm using a, a, a mouse for like the first time in three years because my, uh, my trackpad stopped working. So You mean like Richard Gere? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and all the way in uh, somewhere in Ohio is our good friend Alan, or sorry, I should say Sir Alan Middleton, how are you, sir? Good. How are you, Paul? Good <laughs> to be here. Now, Very the worse. problem with taping the show, I keep telling you, VHS is the future, not beta. <laughs> That's, That's right. the first problem. That's right. And we are going to talk right? a little bit about the future with our guest, Peter. Is it Nowak? Am I pronouncing that right? You got it. Excellent. Um, yeah, we're going to talk uh, to Peter about his new book uh, and, and his, his previous work, because I have read both of them, and uh, wonderful work, Peter. Oh, thanks. We will uh, we'll get into that, but we usually like to start off by asking everyone. Of course, you know when I speak slowly, I'm looking for the jingle. I can't find it. There it is. What's on your? What's on your Kindle? Your nightstand? What's on your? What's on your refrigerator? <laughs> what are you reading? There's there's fridges where you can load your Kindles on the screen. Just saying, <laughs> Professor Allen, what do you got? What's going on in a new in your book life? Well, a shopping list and a lot of family photographs are on the fridge, but that is so 1980s of me. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just finished up reading, I don't think it's the latest, but I think it's the next to latest novel by Patricia Cornwell in the Case Scarpetta series called Dust. And it was pretty good. Hmm. You know, serial killer type mysteries. Very nice. Nice. And so I enjoy those. Sir Jimmy. Is Patricia, is Patricia Cornwell anything like uh, James Patterson? Where uh, she is so prevalent, is she writing all this stuff? Does she come out with like three books a year? No, no. It's it's about one every year or so. So okay. I don't think it's an assembly line just yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, and Jimmy, what's new on your nightstand? We'll talk about all the other books that we're, we've read uh, later on the show, but what's new? What's coming up? What's new? Um, I have a book called Lucid Dreaming, Plain and Simple. Uh, by Robert Wagoner, and I hope it's not the guy that pushed that chick off the boat. And, uh, <laughs> Caroline okay. McCready. I hope it's not that crazy country music singer. But it, it, maybe that's the key. That's what you need to learn to lucid dream. And hmm. tomorrow I have a brand new mattress showing up from uh, this company out of New York City that, that sells uh, one of those, like, memory foam type mattresses our mattress is 12 years old and i'm trying to start this book at the same time that i'm getting a new mattress changing so, your whole uh, uh sleeping experience i am i'm, I'm realigning nice. my chi <laughs> and guest peter nowak uh, and what's new on your uh kindle or nightstand do you, do you have time to read or are you just too busy writing um, I am actually super busy, uh, but I've got a, uh, I just bought an ebook. Um, it's a self-published ebook. It's by a friend of mine. That's why I have to read it. It's, um, it's called Super Steve and it's, uh, written by my friend Doug Cudmore, who's the business editor at the Toronto Star. Um, it's basically about a superhero and his regular ordinary day job, um, so he's uh, Doug's an awesome guy. He was also actually the lead singer in my heavy metal band back in university. <laughs> so I kind of I'm, I'm compelled to read this. Nice, you know, and and sometimes some of the best parts of like a, a Superman story are, you know, watching him uh, deal with the, you know, the his personas Clark Kent. So that that sounds like it could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know anything about this book, but uh, just knowing that Doug wrote it. I have to read it. Excellent. Excellent. That's a, be, good fr- that's a good friend, Peter. That's, a good <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He's actually going to be on, on tour with the book for a month starting uh, March 30th to May 1st. 
Douglas? That's what I see. Is it Super Steve by Doug Cudmore? That's uh, that's hilarious. You know, I haven't. Uh, I need. To, I just I googled it really fast, and I got onto a website called Before It's News. It says Doug Cudmore will be touring March 30th to May 1st with his action crime thriller novel Super Steve. We are looking for reviewers, EPUB, author guests, interviews. Nice. Maybe maybe we'll have him on the show. Why hey, not? Why not? There you go. I just got Doug a gig. <laughs> so, Peter, I'm going to play the jingle. Let's talk about your, your latest one. Here we go. That's a loud jingle. <laughs> so, so, Peter, your latest is Humans 3.0, uh, looking at a meditation on where we're going as a collective, as humans, how we're changing. Tell us a bit about, uh, about the book. Yeah, well, I tried to uh, basically try to write a technology book for people who don't really care about technology. It's a, um, you know, I kind of looked at, I, I, I've been writing about technology for so long, uh, you know, more than 15 years or so. Um, and I think a lot of technology news and writing uh, journalism tends to fall into, you know, one of two camps. You either have the the specific or the specialized technology press. And these are the guys who are writing about, you know, the, the new iPhone and it's got a better camera than the last right. one and so on. Uh, I find a lot of that press tends to be overwhelmingly positive when it comes to technology coverage. Um, now I've worked most of my career in the mainstream media and it's pretty much the opposite there where you, you know, if technology ever really, if technology story ever really breaks through to the, uh, to the front page, so to speak, it's usually something bad because something bad's yeah. happening. Like, yeah. uh, the example that always sticks in my head is the story from a few years ago about how Wi-Fi was supposedly making children sick in schools. Um, you know, kids are saying, oh, I don't feel well, I don't want to go to school, and it's because of the Wi-Fi, <laughs> which, come on, I mean, how, <laughs> that's just the latest reason for, for kids not wanting to go to school. I can think of a hundred others. Um, so anyways, I, I came at it from a really neutral perspective, and I tried to uh, look at the numbers and the data and, uh, and and come to some conclusions about what is technology doing to us. Um, so it's a book that isn't for people who really like technology or who are interested in it, but who maybe are um, somewhat concerned or interested in, in what technology is doing to us. Yeah, well, one of the things I really enjoyed about the book, I, I was going in, uh, I usually throw out the dust cover, so I, I don't want to know anything about it before I dive in. So I was expecting it to be, uh, you know, a really long meditation on like, uh, you know, cyborgs and, uh, you know, cell phones, but you really, uh, you run the whole gambit of, uh, from like, uh, you, you go to, uh, you know, you, you talk about food production, you talk about, uh, the economy. Uh, I mean, it's, you're, you're talking about humans 3.0. You're not just talking about, you know, how technology is going to get, you know, shoved into your eyeball, uh, interesting uh, how you, you really covered the whole, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's funny too. I think I, you know, personally, I really like the cover. The cover is, uh, you know, it's the back of a guy's head with a plug in it, kind of Matrix style. Right. <laughs> um, and I think I, one comment I've heard is that it they, that gives off the impression that this is about like transhumanism and and what's going to happen to us when we're cyborgs and that kind of thing. Um, but it's not necessarily about that. It, it's a cool cover, so it catches the eye. So I'm really uh, happy for that. Um, but it's not really that's not really where the book goes. The book is more of a, like you say, it's a study about how technology is affecting all these different aspects of our lives. So each chapter kind of breaks down. There's a chapter about jobs. There's a chapter about the relationships we have with each other. There's a chapter about health and life expectancy. And then you know we towards the end of the book, I look at things like. Um, even religion and the things that we believe in, how technology has affected that. Uh, and of course, happiness levels, because that's kind of the, the real important thing, right? If technology isn't making all of us happier, then what the hell's the point of it? Um, so I, I, yeah, I kind of, that's, that's kind of where I'm going with the book. It's not so much a, a study in transhumanism or anything like that. And, um, I like that it, it, it seems like you're certainly not coming at technology from a bits and bytes or specifications uh, aspect like a lot of technology journalists would you seem to be coming at it sort of yeah. first is that am I, am I on the right track there yeah absolutely that's that's kind of the whole uh, there's a word for that it's called feeds and speeds uh, and I don't know personally I've never really cared about that stuff like you know I remember it's not so much uh, an issue today but I remember years ago you'd read stories 
reviews or uh, maybe not reviews, but you read, you know, articles about laptops and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, there'd be a lot of emphasis put on the, the speed of the processor or how much RAM it has. And I don't know about you guys, but I'd like that stuff doesn't matter to me. I don't think it matters to the vast majority of the population. You know, the, the point is, is does this thing get the job done? Uh, is it good in a, in, you know, in a general sense, that kind of thing? Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I've really done or tried to do with the book too. And, um, it, there's a lot of, you know, I didn't just present a whole bunch of numbers saying, Hey, look, here's how the economy has tracked over the last 2000 years. Um, I've also gone out, I went out and talked to, uh, people who I think wouldn't just give me really smart insights, but also people who were, uh, kind of entertaining. So, uh, and they can present a, you know, a, a different perspective on things. So, you know, there's uh, one of my chapters is on uh, health and life expectancy. So rather than just talking to, I don't know, doctors or whatever, I talked to, I went out, luckily I got a hold of Anne Rice, the, the vampire novelist, you know, from Interview with the Vampire and so on. And uh, we had a great conversation about how technology is uh, really affecting health and life expectancy. And we kind of she put it through she she kind of put the whole conversation through the lens of uh, vampires and vampire fiction. Vampire fiction continues to be popular today. You know we have like softcore porn uh, movies and and TV shows that are uh, vampires. It's just a subgenre that doesn't seem to be going away. So there's a there seems to be a reason for that, and I think that's you can actually link that to technology because we're all a little bit fascinated with living longer and longer. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And and yeah. And Anne Rice, one of the reasons she's one of the best, you know, writers of you know the vampire stories, is uh, the way she portrays an ancient vampire and how they deal with technology, and how they look around at the world around them. I mean, if you've yeah. been around for two thousand years, you remember suffering and starvation, and you know you 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 kind of chuckle if people are against you know genetically modified food because it's feeding everyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's funny too because when I was speaking with Anne Rice, not never mind vampires, but she herself is uh, in her seventies, and I, uh, she has—I believe she's a diabetic. So she was talking about how she's really grateful and amazed uh, at actually being alive today, and how you know, if she was born a hundred years earlier, she probably would have died a couple times over from the various things that happened to her. I think we could probably most most of us can say that. Um, so yeah, it's you know that's that that kind of ties into the the optimistic, I guess, conclusions that I come to in the book, which is that um, the problem with a lot of the technology coverage, especially in the mainstream, is that it focuses a lot on side effects. Um, so you look at the Wi-Fi thing I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, first of all, there's no scientific uh, proof or evidence at all that proves that Wi-Fi is harmful to anyone's health. But even if it was, that's a pretty negative side effect story that we're having as opposed to the effect stories, which we almost never hear. Um, and that's the effects of technology are so much greater than the side effects, generally speaking. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of the stuff that we don't hear enough about. I guess that was kind of one of the other points of the book too, is after I'd done research and came to these optimistic conclusions, I thought, well, isn't this kind of a, a really odd story to tell. It's almost controversial now to tell people good news. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, I mean, be, before, uh, you know, Blackberries and iPhones, uh, if you had told people that we'd be carrying around, you know, tracking devices in our pockets that are always connected to a central server that the government has access to, you, we would have, you know, that would, that's a scary, scary science fiction tale. Yeah. You know, but, but as soon as they emerge in the market, like, Oh, wait a minute. I can, you know, we can settle a bar bet by Googling. And, we, and, I can, and I can put this thing in my pocket and carry it around and only have to charge it once a day. You know, that's then we the, all. That's actually the main use of smartphones is uh, settling those bar bets. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's funny because you actually touch on, on a good point there, which is that uh, there are major downsides and I don't want to downplay them. Uh, you know, I don't want to just downplay them as just side effects. There are also major effects that we've brought about too, um, thanks to technology. Uh, the biggest one, of course, is global warming. And, you know, that's that's pretty much a very much a, a technological side effect. Um, these are huge problems. Uh, there's also inequality is another uh, big issue. So you've had like over the last couple of decades, you've had globalization really take off, and globalization has really been enabled by technology. So you know countries like China and India have really been able to uh, 
to explode thanks to, or their economies have exploded, largely thanks to the fact that they've been able to join the world uh, via the internet and other technologies. Um, but at the same time, you also have a lot of inequality spreading in, in this, you know, countries like the U.S., for example, uh, because that the internet and other digital technologies have really allowed the rich to become so much richer, but the rest of right. us are kind of, you know, but, uh, you know, and, and, and even then, it's it's a perceived inequality because you know the ninety nine percent in America are part of the one percent globally. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah, all exactly how you look yeah. at it. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a little bit skewed. It's like you know the rich. If you're rich in the U.S. or even Canada, you're uh, you know you can be a lot richer these days. And there's one chapter I have. Uh, it's called "How the Avengers Are Like uh, Widgets." And I talk about the difference in movie grosses. So back in the 80s, the biggest grossing movie um, was, was E.T., the extraterrestrial. And, uh, and then, of course, we had the Avengers, like, uh, what, two years ago, three years ago. And uh, the Avengers grossed, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's like triple or quadruple the amount that E.T. Right. did. And that's because it's just playing in so many more countries, and so many people in those countries have uh, disposable income to go see things like superhero movies. So, um, that is, yeah, the inequality is, it is a, it is a problem, but it's also relative, like you say. Well, with, with technology I, moving I like so fast, idea. sorry, uh, go ahead, Professor. I was going to say, I, I like this idea, Peter, that you're addressing both the positives and the negatives. I get suspicious if anyone who comes out, no matter what the topic is, if they say this is a hundred percent bad or this is a hundred percent good. I yeah. always tend to believe the people who recognize nuance and subtlety. That yeah. sounds like that's what you're getting at. Yeah, I think I'm with you right there too. Um, I think I'm, the, my conclusions are, uh, you know, they are definitely positive, but the, you know, you can't. It's not just uh, puppies and <laughs> puppies and kittens <laughs> and hugs and all that good stuff. Uh, there's things to be worried about. One of the other things I think I'm kind of worried about too is. Um, you know, I spent a good chunk of the book talking about how technology has really allowed uh, human creativity to to really flourish and explode. So you just look at the number of photographs people are sharing online, or the number of blogs that are out there, uh, the, the amount of music that people are producing and putting out, even how many video games people are creating, all this stuff. It's like, it's so easy for us to do stuff now. Like, just the act of taking a photograph, if you think, you right. know, 30 years ago, it was hard. It was... You had to get an expensive camera, you had to get a film, you had to figure out what the hell like f-stop was and all that. Uh, and then you had to spend money to get it developed, and then you ended up with like one good photo out of 25. Uh, today, you, you're snapping so many photos on your phone that you don't even think twice about it, and it's so easy. Yeah, and, so, and Facebook makes you a publisher right away. Yeah, exactly. And your whole so family can see it. Instantly. It's so easy. It's so yeah. It's yeah. so easy. And now, so that's the good thing. I think there's a lot of there's an explosion of human creativity and expression and communication going on. Uh, the downside, though, I think, and I found some of this in the data too, is that um, you know we might have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but the number of actual close confidants we have is is shrinking, which is a little bit of a yeah. weird situation because I think you have this big explosion of individuality, but you also have a trend towards isolation. So, uh, one other interesting way in which that's manifesting is that you look at senior citizens, um, you know, a generation ago, it was totally normal for when you're, when you get to retirement age, you would basically live with your family until, until it was time to shuffle off this mortal coil. <laughs> now that's, that's actually a rarity. More and more most, most senior citizens are going to retirement homes. Um, and that's for various reasons, you know, they can get better. narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of that ties into the life expectancy and healthcare issues. Yeah. Like you said they're s simply living longer because they can. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons for it too, right? Like you, you know, the seniors might be going to retirement homes for a, for better, better medical care. B, to hang out with people their own age. Um, C, there's Viagra now, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Think of that what you will. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of reasons why that's happening. But uh, the, the, point, the point is still there. Uh, there is a, a growing trend towards isolationism or, uh, you know, people are kind of like the, the, the reaction to all of this online, you know, we're always online, we're always out there, we're always 
putting our stuff on Facebook and on Twitter or whatever. And I think the reaction to that is that we might actually be shrinking inwards when it actually comes to our real lives. Right. Um, Peter, I know that uh, we're short on time, but uh, you know this all kind of ties in uh, technology-wise to uh, your previous work. And uh, maybe we could uh, spend a couple minutes talking about sex bombs and burgers. Sure. A book about how porn, war, and fast food have led to a, a lot of our modern technological in- innovations. Um, I, I got to ask you, uh, first off, one of those seems like it doesn't belong. Like I can see <laughs> food and, and war bringing us, you know, lots of technology, but porn? <laughs> yeah. They play different roles, I think. We're talking about three separate uh, massive industries. Um, and I think uh, basically to, in a nutshell, the military, I think it's – you. I, unless you read the book, I think the average person would probably be pretty surprised to find out how much technology actually comes from the military. Um, so, of course, you know, there's the, sort of the well-publicized things like the internet and, um, you know, even like cancer uh, therapies have been developed from uh, from technologies that are used to basically ma- maintain nuclear weapons. Uh, but even other minor things, too, like uh, Google Maps, for example, traces its uh, origins back to the military. Uh, that was created by a CIA-backed company, which was uh, then eventually bought by Google. Hmm. So... A lot of these, uh, a lot of, lot, the military is probably one of the biggest uh, generators of new technology, at least in the United States. Um, and then over with the food, the food side thing, and we're not talking about when we're talking about fast food. We're not just talking about McDonald's. We're talking about the actual food, you know, even the frozen foods in your freezer. Uh, mm-hmm. Just any sort of pr- any sort of food production that is uh, geared towards uh, basically any food that. It, you don't just grow right. from the farm. Yeah. And I mean, even the, farm. the fact that we have a refrigerator in our house. In our homes, yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, that's technology. We don't even, we've had it so long, we don't even think of refrigerators as technology. But yeah, it absolutely is. Um, so then we come, you know, so the food industry, you can't really have anything else unless you have the food industry pumping out technology. Because unless you have, unless your country has a stable food supply and unless everybody has enough to eat, then you don't really worry about things like, you know, you know, televisions or the new iPhone or whatever. So you've got two really fundamental forces there. You've got the food business and you've got the military uh, military complexes, as it's called. So as you point out, the, the porn business doesn't seem to really operate on the same level as those as those guys do. Um, and I'd agree with that. But the what the porn industry does is, is very important, too, is that historically uh, they have been very quick to adapt to new technologies or to jump on new technologies and invest in them. Uh, The internet is a great example. Um, While everybody else was kind of thinking, what what the hell is this this internet thing? The porn companies were there saying, oh man, this is fantastic. This is a great way for us to grow our businesses. It's a great way to grow our our customer base and so on. And so they they made all kinds of advances. They invested in all kinds of early technologies from things like secure uh, security, uh, you know, secure sign-ins and all that stuff to video streaming. So they really, they didn't invent those technologies, but they gave the people who did invent them lots of money to continue developing it to the point where we got, you know, YouTube and all those other uh, fun mainstream things. Hmm. Like I say, that book taught me one thing. I did not know that Zsa Zsa Gabor was married to the uh, one of the minds behind Chatty Cathy, Hot Wheels, <laughs> and the Barbie doll. <laughs> Information for life. Yes. I mean, that was only her sixth marriage, and that was one year, 75, 76. So, right. And that guy used to build missiles. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like a thought-provoking book. It all connects. Yes, it is. It's all it's all connected. So yeah, I mean, we think of these things as you know, nobody thinks that war or porn or fast food. We don't, we don't think of those things as good things, but uh, they're so connected to so many of the good things that we have that yeah, we can't uh, we can't be so black and white about them. I think. Fantastic sex bombs and burgers. And Humans 3.0 by Peter Nowak. Uh, Peter, love to have you on maybe for a full show sometime. Uh, Maybe have your friend on with you or something. We'll figure that out. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. My pleasure, too. Thanks, guys. And where where can we find you? I know that uh, your books are all over where books are sold, but uh, is there a website? Let me say, I know he's at Peter Nowak, P-E-T-E-R-N-O-W-A-K on Twitter because I was already tweeting him. And his buddy from the Toronto Star trying to, 
you know, say, hey, we're already talking about you. We're recording the show live. So Jimmy's on so the ball. When you, when you see something that comes from at Free Hollow Books on Twitter, that's Sir Jimmy. Got it. All right. So hook us up. Um, go ahead, tell us where we can find your stuff. Yeah, I think the central repository of all this uh, book stuff uh, can be found at wordsbynoak.com. Once again, that's N-O-W-A-K. Fantastic. Wordsbynoak.com. Check it out, folks. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking to our friend Pat Flewelling. Hey, everyone. This is Les Stroud, and I am still surviving out in the bush. As a matter of fact, I'm walking my dog in the snow while I say this. I've also got lots of new Survivor Man shows coming on TV, and I'm really proud of the fact that my new book, along with the photography of Laura Bomber, is called Beyond Survivor Man, which is going to take you behind the scenes of how I made the series Beyond Survival. Got lots more coming, more books, more concert tours, more Survivor Man. And you're listening to The Book Guys. Book Guys. I love that Survivor Man's promo was actually like, Recorded while he was on his cell phone climbing a mountain or something. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's authentic. He did, he did the whole interview, hiking somewhere with his dog out in yeah. the wilderness. It was crazy. <laughs> that was that was fun. And uh, speaking of fun, gentlemen, we we speaking are now of wilderness <laughs> and of wilderness crazy. and crazy. <laughs> Our good friend Pat Flewelling joins us. How are you, Pat? I think I offended her. No, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't. I'm here. I swear, I am here. We've been having Skype issues all day. Poor Peter had a hard time getting on earlier. <clears throat> we, we blame Microsoft. So how is Pat? I hear you, we hear you have a new book. I do. I do. Uh, it's. Uh, it came out actually in October. Perfect time to launch a book about werewolves, I think. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I was, trying, I was trying to find a jingle here. <laughs> <laughs> Flap for the wolf man. I'll find it eventually. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's uh, one of a trilogy. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. First book is out. Uh, the series name is Helix. And uh, yes, I know there's a TV show called Helix. They announced it the same day we announced Helix. Oh. So, Is yeah. that good for Google Juice or, or bad? <laughs> I'm sure it's very good for Google Foo, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, people are like, what is this? These people don't look sexy. What's going on? So how much are you <laughs> suing them for? Oh, none. I'm too small. It's, I'm too small. Maybe next time, you know, when I'm, when I'm rich and famous. Anyhow, the first book is called Blight of Exiles. And mm. I had an absolute a, a thrill writing that book. It's, uh, it's been, I think, almost six years now that I wrote it the first time. And I still absolutely love the characters. I love the story. I love where the series is going. So I hope I can uh, land a sale for the next two. But we'll see. Now, now, the only thing that always bothers me about werewolves is why don't you just lock yourself up on that one day a month? You know? You know, um, I actually speak about that a little. Uh, what happens if you don't know when that day is going to be? What if it's not once a month? What if it's different for everybody? Oh, well, because I had a girlfriend that knew it was once a month, and she knew the date, and I kept saying she should lock herself up that day. But that didn't, that didn't give me any brownie points. Oh, man. must be nice to have a predictable cycle. Then. <laughs> all right. Here's an idea for the next book. This guy, he, all right, he figures this out, and he, he, he starts to work for an airline. He's a pilot, and he stays ahead of the full moon cycle. Mm. But then, <laughs> suddenly... <laughs> You take over. All right. <laughs> so, so, Pat, yeah, t tell us a bit about uh, the characters. You then. write the other 99,000 words. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a great start. That's a, that's a great start for me. I can work with that, yeah. Uh, well, um, Blight of Exiles is actually about this, uh, this fellow who is abducted from LaGuardia Airport in New York City, and he wakes up rather beaten and bloody and sore and uncomfortable, and discovers that he is in literally the middle of nowhere. He looks around, and it looks like either it's um, the Ohio. site of, uh, f f you'd think. Well, it's a little it's a little wetter than Ohio, I think. Um, but uh, he looks around at first, and he thinks, am I at Chernobyl or something? Am I at the city of Pripyat? You know, because all of the buildings are abandoned. Oh, and he's in I Detroit. Can... <laughs> oh, sorry. 
you know what, though? Detroit actually was a, a big inspiration for the second book. So stay tuned. I'm sorry for interrupting, Pat. No, that's okay. I'm used to it. I know you guys. You're, you're so much fun. Anyhow. Uh, so anyhow, he's uh, he finds himself in this very remote, what looks like to be an abandoned resort town. And he keeps hearing voices, but he can't find anybody. And he realizes, you know, this is this is easy peasy. You, you pick me out of, a, of an airport and you throw me into the middle of the wilderness. Well, he's not entirely human, so he should be well adapted to the circumstances. Except it doesn't take very long for him to realize that he's not at the top of the food chain. Hmm. Yes. So not only is he in the middle of nowhere and he doesn't know why he's been abducted, but he's got to get his, himself out of a really bad situation. And there are a few people that he tries to befriend, at least to get some, uh, get some information out of them. Find out, you know, why am I here? Why was I chucked in here with you guys? And you guys are kind of weird in your own way. What happened to you? So it's... Um, when people ask me what kind of genre it is, I say it's it's got the skeleton of a mystery with the this the brains of science fiction and the skin and, and muscle of horror. So it's a little bit of everything. But the characters themselves, I just I adore them. <laughs> so having fun writing the characters. What's yeah. what's your plan? Uh, is this going to be a, a trilogy in five parts or? <laughs> I really want to cap it at three. I like having a beginning and a middle and an end and leaving it at that. And if people want more, that's a nice place to be. I would I would much rather leaving leave you wanting more as opposed to, you know, with some shows, they jump the shark. They give you right. too much of a good thing. But um, I am actually working on a little side project that, well, would make my, my trilogy of three book and a novella. Um, you can actually read it for free online. Uh, it's um, a side blog that I'm doing right now. It's a weird council, W-Y-R-D council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, at blogspot.ca. Hmm. And what I'm doing on this one is I'm, I'm writing a secondary story that kind of follows parallel events that are happening in Blight of Exiles. And I'm extending it to kind of tease you into the next book as well. But again, I like a beginning, middle, and end, even if it is um, a parallel book. So it's a story all of its own. So I'm, I'm really having fun with that one. It gives you more backstory than I wanted to put in the book. I didn't want a lot of backstory to tie up the action in Blight of Exiles. Who, who, so does, all, who does your cover art? Because I'm, I'm just looking at the cover art. That's interesting. Galen Dara, actually, if you uh, search Galen online, you'll find out that she's actually won, I believe, oh, can't remember which awards it were, uh, they were, but she's won several awards for other science fiction covers as well. Hmm. Yes, very, a, very neat. It is. Yeah. Helix, Blight of Exiles. And, yes. uh, and that is out now? It is out now. It's available in all online uh, locations. And I believe it's on a couple of stores, but I've yet to prove that. <laughs> now, once we uh, once we get to some more Helix, are we ever going to go back to Dockside City? You know what? I'm working on that one as well. Did you guys right. know that the second book is already out? No. See, you've, you've left us out of the loop. We got I... the obliteration machine. We're no longer the on the tour. And now we got the ghastly bargain, right? <laughs> and you have the ghastly bargain. Yeah, the third one i'm actually working on right now but we haven't quite got there yet we haven't got quite got there yet um i had a couple of things happening in my daytime job that uh that ate up a lot of my time at the end of last year so i'm i'm behind schedule but it is still targeted for fall of this year terrific excellent and we're going to put links to all of the books and uh in the show notes we actually and, have show uh, notes now at bookguys.ca believe it or not and uh <laughs> And where can folks find all your wonderful stuff? You know what? There's a single location. If you um, if you can find my author's page, you'll see all of the books that I've currently got on Amazon.com. Excellent. Sing single stop shop. Perfect. And and if you, if you have trouble spelling the name, it's more W's than you think. 
<laughs> more L's than you'd think. That's right. Just keep adding W's and L's, and you'll get it eventually. <laughs> uh, and I'm, There's I'm only getting... one consonant in there, either, or like hey, one vowel. There's plenty of vowels in there. I'm generous with all of my letters. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, and, and I got your message there in the window there, uh, Jimmy. We should revive the Book Guys Twitter, and, and maybe that'll be yours. You can... Because you seem to tweet more than I do, especially during the show. I do. I tried, to, I tried to guess the password, but we'll discuss that offline. And I noticed <laughs> I, I, was, I was looking for uh, Pat's uh, Twitter. And when I Googled Pat Fuelling a uh, Twitter, I came up with uh, something strange. What is it, Pat? Uh, it's, it's not my name because my name is, well, as you point out, um, <clears throat> advanced level spelling. Yes. <laughs> so you can you can find me on Twitter at uh, nine so spelled out n i n e underscore d a y underscore wonder. Yeah, there you go. That's what I yeah, good. So I tweeted the right person. You did. <laughs> uh, Pat, do you want to stick around for a bit, or are you are you off to the races? Ah, sure. You know what? I miss you guys. All right. I'll stick around. Stick around a bit. We'll 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 keep on going. We'll we'll. We'll chat. We'll chat. Uh, uh, Professor Allen, you pick, and I'll play the jingle if I can find it. Podcast. All right. Podcasts. And I'm turning my phone on to see what podcasts I have, but uh, what you've been listening to, Professor Allen? Well, I've got a couple updates from uh, former guests of the Book Guy Show. Uh, we've mentioned uh, Mer Lafferty. Uh, she was a guest on way back in episode 82 about her uh, latest book, Ghost Train to New Orleans, which I read and enjoyed last year. But that book is now being released weekly in audio, chapter by chapter, Ooh. through iTunes uh, for free. So if you search Ghost Train to New Orleans in iTunes, you can get caught up uh, if you missed the book when it was out last year. Nice. And uh, is that also on podiobooks.com? Is that how that's working? Uh, probably, but I don't know. I've been just, uh, getting it through through the iTunes. Hmm. Then uh, I'd, uh, one other, also a, uh, a former guest of the show and my podcast partner and daughter, Emily. <laughs> Emily and I were on an episode of – sorry, Paul. It was a Doctor Who podcast. Nice. <laughs> called Who True Freaks, episode 19 of that. We talked about Battlefield, a Seventh Doctor story featuring uh, Sylvester McCoy and his awesome companion Ace fighting aliens in a King Arthur-inspired story. It is largely one thought of as one of the not-so-good episodes of old Doctor Who, at which point Jimmy says, you mean like all of them? <laughs> no. It's, it's, uh, it's not a very well, uh, well-loved episode, but Emily and I enjoy it quite a bit. And, and speaking of Doctor Who and, and previous guests, uh, great news. Uh, if you've been following us on the website and, and whatnot, uh, former guest Nick, what was that? Sorry, that's my phone. <laughs> That's our new jingle for BigFinish.com. Our, our good friends at BigFinish.com, Nicholas Briggs, uh, he uh, he signed a couple of contracts that he's been wanting to sign for years. Uh, they have signed the contract for all the new who. New who, say that three times fast. So they now have the license for the ninth to uh, current doctors uh, as well. Uh, they're, they're starting with a uh, current universe as a new series of Doctor Who uh, following unit and with using yes, the same characters and, and those. same actors, same voices. So uh, it'll be starring the, uh, the Brigadier's daughter. I forget the name of the, uh, the actress who, who plays her, but it will, it will be her and uh, all the other uh, people that you're familiar with on the show will be uh, in the booth doing audio. And the second contract, uh, Professor, so that, that he signed. Gemma, Gemma Redgrave. Is that's that her. Wonderful yep. actress. Sparky. Put, get down, Sparky the Wondercat's uh, <laughs> trying to claw at the microphone. Um, yeah, and the second contract that he signed uh, that, uh, that took a while to, for him to do was uh, he signed Colin Baker on to record 
this story about his regeneration because, you know, he left the show abruptly and they just sort of threw Sylvester McCoy into his outfit, threw him on the floor and would never really explain why he was dying. <laughs> just, new season, look, he's dying. Oh, look, a new actor. So they, they have written the story. Colin Baker has said it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a doozy. And he signed on to uh, record in audio the, his doctor's regeneration. So that should be fun. Uh, and somebody wake up Sir Jimmy. We're done now, Jimmy. Oh, the goodness, thank you. <laughs> the little the little shocker just popped me back out of my catatonic state. Uh, let's see. Um, I, I did finish reading a book. Okay. Um, I, I finished reading the Arthur C. Clarke book, The F- um, Fountains of Paradise. Oh, I don't get to do podcasts? You don't get to do podcasts? What's going I, on well, here? Well, you know, I, all right, the podcast – all right, let's all right, before no, podcast, has anybody it. listened to the new Reddit podcast that we talked about last time? Upvoted. I, I did. I listened to the episode uh, one or zero. That was I interesting. I still think it's the best one so far. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I make. I, I have it on my uh, on my device, and I'm, I'm going to go through it. Um, yeah. So let's do that. It's a science okay. fiction. I was just messing with you, Jimmy. I ain't got no podcast for this week. That's fine. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so Founds of Paradise by one of my favorite all-time authors, Arthur C. Clarke, um, a book that he wrote back in, I believe, the early 70s about the building of the space elevator, which is like a giant rock that spins around the Earth at the same speed as the Earth uh, in geosynchronous orbit. And they're going to lower down uh, a piece of rope from there to the ground. Right. So – they can take stuff up and down this rope into outer space. And, and this is actual technology that they're, that they've, uh, you know, uh, that could happen one day. Yeah. I mean, Arthur C. Clarke, he was the, like the guy who theorized the, the satellite and uh, how yeah. to make that happen. So, I mean, th- this is something that they're working on and, you know, it's, it's not really a rock floating around the earth. It's not really a piece of rope. But he breaks it down um, there, and, and there's a whole story that revolves around it, which I found somewhat tedious. I really wanted to hear like uh, a story about the building of this thing. So those parts are what what I really gravitated towards: the actual technology mm-hmm. and the building of it, and the um, overcoming the obstacles into making this actually happen is what intrigued me the most, and it's. It's almost like Jules Verne. You know, you go back to Jules Verne talking about technology for uh, in the 1800s for a submarine, and it's sort of the same. You know, it's a different time span, but when you talk about the, I guess the how big the project is. You know, putting something in space. Yeah, is like, different like, than taking like, a do we have enough metal to, to make so, a wire that long? You know. Yeah. So so 40 years ago, what he came up with is now. It's not totally possible because the materials for that rope, as long as it is and as heavy as it would be, aren't there. But now there's carbon nanotubes, right. and they are they're headed that way. And that it will I'd like to see it happen in my lifetime. But uh, interesting book. I, as soon as I get done with the lucid dreaming book, I'm going to start on yet another Arthur C. Clarke. I, I was going to join you on this one because I did get a, a promo copy of uh, as well. But it's on this thing called a CD here. And, CD. Uh, Let's. Yeah. What kind of technology is that? Well, apparently, I never knew you to be such a luddite. The, the CD player on my Mac doesn't work, and I I have no interest in repairing it because um, this is the first time I've actually inserted a CD into my Mac in probably two years. So, hey now, <laughs> hey now. <laughs> so, so, so uh, I uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to get it with my Audible credits, and uh, I will probably join you in reading that sounds interesting wonderful um this week or, or i could mail you my phillips you know walkman <laughs> cd player and you could strap it to your hip and be the coolest cat i, I don't think i could afford the batteries jimmy <laughs> yeah this, it this takes is a, two uh, this is an two eight and a half at a time yeah so. this is an eight and a half hour uh, that would cost me at least 80 bucks in batteries to listen to um yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure they're going to be releasing it in vinyl soon, so that that'll probably work for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want to be the totally coolest cat, 
Uh, other than Humans 3.0, which uh, is a technology-related book we talked about earlier in the show, um, I I listened to a uh, end-of-the-world book, uh, sort of an apocalypse. Had zombies in it, but not the kind of zombies you think, uh, and not the kind of apocalypse you might think. Um, I listened to Internet Apocalypse by Wayne Gladstone, and uh, that was a lot of fun. So the, 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 apocalypse is, the apocalypse is that the internet is down. Okay. No one knows why. So it's, it's more of a humorous take on, uh, uh, on the whole end of the world. And the zombies are actually people who are congregating now in real life in circles based on the websites that they used to congregate at. So like in the middle of the park, there'll be the Reddit zombies. They're all sitting around telling each other stories. The Google plus zombies. <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of thing, you know, all three of them. There, there, there's the you know a, a circle of insane people that's the 4chan zombies you know uh, that that kind of thing and there's the facebook people walking around uh that kind of thing and, and it's it's kind of it's 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 a silly book but uh you know it, it sometimes you have to sit down and read a silly book just sort of flush your brain out from all the, the some of the serious more serious stuff we read it was fun it was fun uh i i really gotta get me into some real uh end of the world stuff soon. Uh, but I, I was kind of hoping that this would, was more of a, uh, you know, more of a, a future thing. Cause I, you know, it, the internet being down now is not the apocalypse. It's not a big deal. It's not like the power going out or the water shutting off. Right. But in, in 40 years, maybe the internet going down is a really big deal. Cause now you can't get into your house. You can't turn your car on. You can't, you can't even get a gallon of milk. Right. Because your fridge didn't order it. Or the milk dispensing machine. You know. <laughs> and, if, and if they continue to <laughs> talk about this silliness like hooking up the electrical grid to the internet, which is the worst idea ever. Right. Yeah, oh. you're right. It's not a big deal now, but it could very well become you – know, right now yeah. it would be like a really good vacation. Right, right. Where, where later, like, like you said, like you're not going to get your milk because the milk delivery drone from Amazon won't operate without internet. Yep. You know, your internet-enabled locks won't let you in your house. So you have to smash the window and now you can't – you know the the automated glass repair robot won't show up to, to fix. Now you have the to tape the window shut. <laughs> the internet the internet enabled cow. You know won't uh, be functional. That's the big problem. I think that the the problem going forward is going to be that we're not going to be building internet enabled devices. We're going to build internet dependent devices. You mm-hmm. know, like you know, like kind of like you know, your web browser won't work with internet. Uh, soon your fridge won't. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't like I said. I don't we usually don't read dust covers, but I was pleasantly surprised. Anyways, it was it was a fun read. And uh, Pat, what's up with you? Anything on your uh, reading list? I've actually got a couple of books on my uh, <clears throat> Audible account, as a matter mm. of fact, because somebody on this call, actually all of you guys, got me hooked desperately on Audible. So I've actually got two new books, uh, both from Taiki Books, actually, the same publisher as, uh, oh, some other book that I mentioned earlier, uh, Land of Exiles, <laughs> uh, Heritage by David Craddock and Blight Cross by C.A. Lang. So that means that Taiki, wonderful group that they are, are actually moving into Audible Books. So mm. as soon as I'm finished with that one, there's another one coming out very, very soon. I think it might actually be out, be out right now. And then a couple of months or maybe even weeks, um, a certain other book that I've already mentioned many times is also coming out in audio. Ooh, you let us know when. I will certainly be <laughs> shouting it from the rooftops because I so want to hear this book. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a pretty stacked list right now. Um, I'm also listening to a lot of um, lectures from The Great Courses. Okay. It's uh, another series that I can get on, on Audible as well. I've been learning all sorts of different topics like genetics and Vikings and uh, ancient Asian culture. It's it's phenomenal, some of the, the courses that I've been listening to. Now, I've heard of the great courses only through a podcast that I listen to, um, America's Test Kitchen, where they teach you how to cook and not burn stuff. Oh, maybe I should and, learn that. And they talk about the great courses as, as one of their – uh, sponsors, I suppose. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's really, you say it's, it's worth it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the genetics one, for example, you would think, oh, it's genetics, it's biology. If you don't have that kind of science background, you'll never get it. I was surprised at how interesting they actually made it. And I was able to follow along. 
So uh, kudos to them. They know how to teach people, that's for sure. Hmm. Hmm. Professor, what's up on your uh, Kindle? Next up on my list is audio as well, and that is the latest Stuart Woods, or at least the latest for me. Now, he's one of the guys that's pumping out three books a year, so I've fallen a bit behind on his. (laughs) I started one called Paris Match. Again, another suspense, thriller, espionage, Hmm. adventure novel. That's what's keeping me busy. Hmm. Very good. Very good. Uh, Let's see. What what do we... Jimmy got all this stuff going on in the chat window. I get confused. I'm reading it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to do some uh, comic book stuff, are we not, Professor Allen? I think we have a couple of things you might want to chat about. All right, just just text me. <laughs> comic books, comic books, comic books. We'll text Jimmy when we're done. <laughs> of course, Professor, uh, b- biggest news I think since we last chatted was uh, the fact that Marvel somehow finagled the rights to spider-man from uh not not didn't get take the rights away but figured out a way to get spider-man into the avengers this could be interesting that could be it, this it, could it, be it, war could be a civil war indeed I, I saw this great venn diagram that showed where all like the marvel characters where all the rights are and how some of them overlap some of them you know and then off to the left they put stanley <laughs> like <laughs> the guy who actually created all this crap, he has none of the rights. <laughs> well, the one that I want to see is one of the very confusing rights issues because they were based. It's a comic series from the late seventies, early eighties, based on a toy line. So you've got the original inventors of the toys. You've got Hasbro who licensed them. You've got Marvel who licensed them. Now you've got Disney involved. So it'll never. The rights are so confused, they can't even reprint the comic books. <laughs> and that is something called Rom Space Knight. Yeah. That's who I want to see in Guardians of the Galaxy 6. <laughs> by the time Disney owns everything, I figure by then, they'll be able to sort out the rights if they own. Like, well, you know, I- I'm the hoping eventually they'll, they'll burn all the Fantastic Four movies and, <laughs> exactly. and, and, and do one right where the, you know team up the entire Marvel Universe against Galactus. Because that's how you do a Galactus story. Is like he is so big that you need everyone. <laughs> like throw everyone at it. It's a three-hour movie. Go for it. I'm a big fan of the so-called supervillain Doctor Doom. Yes, and it looks like they're turning him again into another disaster, another joke. Oh, <laughs> I think uh, he's a blogger of some kind. I don't know. It's it's not good. No. How terrifying. <laughs> well, you know, scary. I know. In in one way, it's bad that Marvel, you know, got rid of these rights. But Marvel probably would not have yes. survived had yeah, they not them, so. made this deal with the crappy script writing devils. It's it's you know, really. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do. It, it boggles my mind, Pat, how you can screw up a, a, a script for a movie based on a comic book. Because if, you, <laughs> if you've ever seen, you don't have to read comic. If you've ever seen a comic book. It's literally a two-hour storyboard. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is hand it to the production crew. This is what we're making. Takes place over two hours. Where's the storyboard? It is the storyboard. <laughs> there are pictures, and the dialogue is right there with it. You know, my theory is that um, Hollywood has not been actually—I don't know—employing uh, comic book writers to write the script. That they're that is, that hiring. They're hiring people who know in quotation marks, how to write a movie. Now, if you were to get somebody from, say, the BBC to write a script based on a comic book, that's a movie I would want to see. Right. Yeah. Because they actually turn around and they they look at the characters and they're not afraid to pull punches. If you get the right series, they're not afraid to make their main characters make problems. And flawed characters are what drive a story. You don't get that in Hollywood anymore because we're so busy checking ourselves in the mirror that we're trying to be sexier than powerful. You know, there's there's no story there anymore. Yeah. Now I'm sad. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, somebody uh, nudge Sir Jimmy. <laughs> oh, Elliot! Uh, yes, go. yes, I'm back from hypersleep. 
Here, we'll, we'll wake you up, Jimmy. I, I have a little a little clip here. We'll do this uh, just for fun. Romance. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a, a bunch of celebrities on the uh, uh, the Graham Norton show from the UK, and they were talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. And I just got a little little clip here. They they do go to the audience. Well, well is it okay? So here's the so just this is just uh, this isn't scientific. So how many women here? So shout out how many women here have read the books? Okay. And how many men have read the books? <laughs> None. One. There. Show yourself. Get Did you re- have you really read the books? Yeah. Did you enjoy them? No, oh, they're shy. <laughs> so there you go. That that'll be the 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 extent of our Fifty Shades of Grey coverage. Oh, wait, thought, well, let me tell you. I thought this was finally the real reason we had Pat on. <laughs> You're asking the person who writes about <laughs> cannibalistic werewolves if she's read Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, what was it the, the recently the New York Times? Uh, so, so one of the writers at the New York Times uh, did a review of of the book and said there is there is no way the person who wrote this has English as a first language. <laughs> no, they're British, aren't they? British. <laughs> but but well. Uh, Back in August of 2012, Amazon UK announced it had sold more copies of Fifty Shades of Grey than the entire Harry Potter series combined, making yeah. E.L. James its best-selling author, replacing J.K. Rowling. And, and McDonald's probably sold a, you know, a million hamburgers today. That doesn't mean it's the best food out there. I'm just, <laughs> you know. No, but I mean, 450 million copies of the book, and it just opened up the movie – which nobody, no, there's nobody in the movie whose name you know because you know Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, um, they they weren't going to be in this movie, right? <laughs> well, but, let's 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 call it what it is. It's porn. Yeah, but it's have you ever still, watched a porn that's not it, big on plot? <laughs> the biggest Friday opening, or the or the biggest February opening um, ever, ninety three million bucks made one hundred and fifty eight million overseas, so a quarter of a billion dollars. In one weekend. That's, do, we that's need to, tasty. do we need to talk? Do we need to talk Pat off the ledge now? At this point, <laughs> I'm 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 in my zen. I'm in I'm I'm in the lotus position. I am far far away from this conversation. I think there, there was biting in in both Pat's book and this book. <laughs> not not really the same. No, no. Not, not the no. same kind. Eh? No. No. <laughs> uh. I think we should oh, call. I, heard that. Call, I know that. I know that. We should sound. call it a week at that. At this point, <laughs> uh, unless anyone wants me to play any other jingles, I'm going to play the the one that uh, that sings us home. I knew that 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 sound right there. That <laughs> that was the sound of the jingle coming. That's right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's been so much that. fun, Pat. We should have you on more often. <laughs> <laughs> and we won't talk about Fifty Shades of. Oh. I don't mind. I'm keeping my opinions to myself because I've got friends on both sides of the fence right now. Okay. Okay. I, I, like, <laughs> I, I, it time, would be Pat. nice to have someone on that actually nope. read it and, you know, not a New York Times, uh, you know, best selling editor because apparently they didn't like it. But we'll see. Thanks for taking the time to come uh, hang out with us dudes here, Pat. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, it's my Appreciate pleasure. It. My pleasure. And remind us again where to find all your stuff, Pat. Because people forget, you know. All right. Uh, well, first of all, uh, if you want to check out the episode by episode novella, it's Weird Council at blogspot.ca. Spelled W Y R D. That's right. W Y R D C O N U C I L. Boy, I can't spell out loud. Uh, all one word. And you'll actually find my bibliography there as well. But if you want to cheat and go straight to Amazon.com, you can either look my name up which uh, you guys have been so kind as to spell so far, um, <laughs> with all of the many consonants and very few vowels. Ew. Or you can just look up Helix <laughs> Blight of Exiles and uh, track me down from there. Sounds good. Helix Blight of Exiles. Ooh. Ooh. We'll put a link in the, in the show notes. And uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Pat. My pleasure. We'll see you again soon. Hi, Professor. See you, Jimmy. See ya. Next week. See ya. Same book time. Same book channel. Audible Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't forget the Audible Dad. Daddy. Bring home dessert. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
In the milk. Book readers. The automated milk. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. Don't forget, folks, go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys. See you next week.